You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19. It has been a while. <laughs> But we'll get into that in the next episode. I've been a part of the communications industry for roughly 8 years now. Uh I've loved it, I've hated it, learned from it, questioned it. Oh boy. It's safe to say that I started when I started breaking my own personal cycles and limitations, I began looking at my work in new light and the questions grew deeper. And thanks to the quarantine and the lockdown, I decided to speak to Tushar Bajaj about the industry as a whole because it's important to know where you work. Tushar is a senior vice president at one of the largest PR firms in the country. He also happens to be one of my bosses. And I decided to speak to him about PR, digital, the whole communication industry, the issues faced by a person in the industry and how we can just get better at our jobs. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy the episode and I hope it helps you with your professional endeavors. And I'll see you on the other side. How have you been this year? All good, man. All good. Uh it's beginning to get frustrating, but uh overall it's been a very interesting enlightening experience. Mm-hmm. Not something that I'm used to. Uh and yeah, and just the pace of work like i was exhausted the other day it became that bad <laughs> i do want to ask you about that though because i mean i've ha- i i have been trying to understand how businesses and specifically leadership is dealing with the current situation yeah. it's okay. scary it's uncertain for a lot of people but i think the closest reference i have is you Okay. So, okay. I would like you to get into that for a bit. See, the uncertainty is pervasive. Right? No one knows what is going to happen. Everyone's just guessing at when things will slow down, when things will start up, and that sort of it poses a, a challenge in itself because you really can't plan. And fundamentally, planning has to shift from you know being strategy being long term. and then sort of working into more short term plans based mm-hmm. on that long term strategy you instead have to think strategy being immediate and then what and then scenarios for the next 3 months and 6 months and so on so it very very different from how you would think about running a business or running anything uh, in a mm-hmm. normal course of events that's been the biggest biggest sort of learning and it took a while for people to understand that they have to flip the way that you have to think about it mm-hmm. but also most critically i mean obviously the economy is hit it's pretty bad across the board uh, we are a services business so first thing to ensure is hang on to as much as possible right you need to be able to keep as much business um, so that it does not impact your own function mm-hmm. right? you want to get into a situation where it starts to impact what you were doing in the normal course of events because any sort of uh, implications in our scenario are very direct on talent right 
so it's something to be very very conscious of and then be able to uh, let's say balance what your clients need with what you need as a business with what your teams need and it is a it's a very difficult sort of three part balancing act that you have to play and yeah everyone's trying to the best of their abilities i suppose no there's no precedent no one's done this before no one has any idea what is ideal and so everyone's sort of learning from mistakes and those who will make less mistakes will probably come out on top that's essentially the way the way we have to look at this right i i've been interested in your journey to this point though because i mean from what i remember um you used to be in banking finance yes yes so i finished my bba i was always actually interested in doing economics uh when i finished school uh, and that's mm-hmm. what i applied for as well but i had also given a couple of uh, entrance exams for bba and as so it as it actually happened i did extremely well on both of those like i was in the top 10 on both in okay. terms of rank so just the feeling that this may be the calling sort of led me to that decision where i took up the bba which i once i finished that uh, there was a, a placement opportunity uh, and i walked in had a conversation and it was for hdfc bank which was just starting out its license or from bank assurance uh, was just being rolled out and i was actually one of the very first people to be employed in that function uh, by hdfc which i did for a couple of years sort of grew from selling just life insurance to doing investment advice for clients across a whole bunch of things uh, at some point there was no growth possible either in the bank or in the insurance company because of the way that job was set up so i moved to another uh, investment advisory firm uh, spent two years there did my studies after that went and did my mba <coughs> when the plan was to get into finance to an extent uh, and uh, this was 2008 2010 and mm-hmm. it, it was the worst possible time to be looking for a job in finance uh, <laughs> but i still did i mean i did i did end up with a, a consulting opportunity with the, the venture capital and private equity association which needed a lot of uh, let's say positive word of mouth at the time because of the Uh, the sheer negative sentiment uh, that was prevailing for any sort of financial sector uh, organization mm-hmm. so that was the first foray into communication uh, which was interesting but slow paced like i was coming from an extremely fast paced environment investment advisory following the market and so on to almost a lobbying sort of environment in the uk which was much slower far more detailed far more granular it required a different set of skills and while i did it for writing about 10 months 11 months it didn't really excite me too much so that plus for uh, other reasons i moved back to india spent a year trying to set up a business making smartphone applications in 2010 2011 just as android was about to launch this is the right. android and while we saw got a lot of interest the business actually didn't go anywhere i had a partner and me and we were both ideas people selling people 
neither of us could code. Not really the best skill set to be making an app company. So we had to abandon abandon that project at some point, uh, and which is when I joined MSL and was uh, as a product manager. So it sort of brought things together uh, from what we were trying to do in apps, but building something that was specific to the communication industry. And so that's how the journey in communication sort of started. And it sort of moved from there to that, then doing client-facing pieces on digital, moving to PR sort of and digital roles. And it's been steady growth since then and something that I really enjoyed. I mean, the learning has been phenomenal and mm -hmm. uh, uh, the exposure has also been phenomenal. We, we have the privilege of representing some of the best known brands uh, and you learn a lot from how these organizations run, how they think about themselves, how they think about other stakeholders. So mm -hmm. it's been a fantastic journey like that. That's awesome. I do want to hear some of the uh, some of the, like some of the differences, like the evolution of of the industry so far. Because when I walked in to communications and totally by accident, I walked in as someone who designed. I wasn't very good at it. I could talk, so that kind of worked in my favor. And they put me into servicing. But then I disappeared from there for about two years, and when I came back in, it was. I didn't see too many differences other than maybe technological advancements. But over the past one year, I'm beginning to kind of see that, okay, things have changed drastically. I just missed the bus. And they probably happened in the background. See, technology has, of course, played a massive role in pretty much every industry. Communication has been a, another one where it has it created more and more and more opportunities. And it's... Mm -hmm. It also changed the way that people consume content. So the industry has had to keep pace with that change. Uh, so that's, that's been one area where it's changed dramatically. The other area where it's changed significantly is that there has been massive convergence uh, of what were traditional silos. Everyone had their own speciality. And while those specialities still exist, uh, there is so much gray between what an advertising firm does, what a digital firm does, what a commerce firm does. And that has allowed people to do other things, which has broadened the skill set, which has also broadened the expectations that clients have. And it's now come to a stage where, you know, you, you would think that being a specialist is enough, but now you have to either be a super specialist in a very, very niche area, or mm -hmm. you have to be a generalist across everything marketing. Okay. So those those are things that are evolving, and I think the speciality, like someone who could only do, uh, let's say, media buying, uh, okay. I think that speciality is no longer going to exist. It's going to be, let's say, this person's a Facebook optimization expert, and it is that one super speciality, that extremely niche area, that someone right. going to be really, really well known at. Or they're going to be advisors uh, which understand the entire ecosystem. So they can work with their, uh, let's say, partners on the client side uh, to create solutions that cut across the entire market stack or the entire funnel, entire, uh, depending on what the ask is. But mm -hmm. those are the two areas where I think the industry is really going to succeed now. Uh, and 
it's hard to say what the industry is per se. So I would definitely call it the the larger communication space that spans everything from how you talk about yourselves to the media through to your direct to consumer uh, packaging design. You know, all mm-hmm. of that falls under one large spectrum. <laughs> Got it. I had an I had a question just pop up in my head um, right now. Coming to the point of communications, from an industrial and a non-industrial point of view, how much of it do you think is posturing? And let me clarify why, why I say that is because I think over time what we've seen when it comes to just the general sentiment around people is we want to know what is real. We want to know what is true, right? Stop the posturing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see a lot of that sentiment online. I mean, Twitter happens to be exactly that. So where do you think, uh, or rather, where do you see a place of something like that? Is that even true for a lot of, for the industry? Is there a lot of posturing? And even as people, is there a lot of posturing as people? Okay, uh, let's let's look at industries, right? And at least in the time that I've been in communication, it's become increasingly harder to do anything or say anything that is not true. There are way too many ways for it to be verified. And the downside is so much greater than the upside of anything which is non-factual that it is terrible advice for anyone to go out and posture. Uh, that said, there is uh, some element of wordsmithing that is always going to happen. And I think that that is fundamental to how anyone, you, you write your CV, you still want to write it in the best possible way, right? You will you will make something appear bigger than it was mm-hmm. just the way that you write it. So that's inevitable when you are representing anything uh, externally and even internally. So... I think that is the extent to which posturing happens. Uh, mm-hmm. There is there is the desire uh, by individuals every now and then to get something that is greater, uh, to get larger impact. But usually, as an organization, that does not work. So I think that that's a balance that sort of comes in when. You may have, let's say, an entrepreneur who will who will talk really big, but as soon as that entrepreneur turns into a, a sizable organization, that flamboyance gets thrown down. And I think that sort of illustrates the difference between how much posturing is possible uh-huh. uh, versus what is very real. So, why do you think that is, though? Like, what 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 leads to that? Because you do have you have some entrepreneurs who will just like go at it continue yeah, to kind of talk a big game so to speak some of it may be true like I a lot of a it may vision, be true. a vision having a vision is, is important uh, and clearly articulating that vision is also important but if you're not rooted in reality uh, you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur right you have to know you may not choose to let's say, share all the details and the nitty-gritty and the grind that you're currently having to go through. But you have to be rooted in that reality. And as things evolve, uh, it just becomes more prudent to be realistic 
about projections as you get investors on board as you as you have other stakeholders that are important you tend to become more and more prudent uh, as an organization and as someone representing an organization as an individual you can still go talk about reaching the moon that you know i mean it's it's good to have big ambitions right big heavy ambitious goals everyone should have those do you think uh, we've or at least clients have gotten into a rut of some sort when it comes to trying to reach out to people specific to again i mean okay removing posturing but there is some sort of a, a repetition of sorts when you're trying to or it's either that or you're just constantly trying to break the mold there's a there is that cycle as well where you're constantly saying okay how do i reinvent this and that may not necessarily be uh needed so do you think we well, have reached that stage i i think every every organization every person who's communicating will go through that sort of cycle where mm-hmm. at least they themselves will start to feel that they've reached the stage where they need to change how they're representing themselves it may or may not be true uh, from a customer point of view but that is where research helps you right you you commission something you figure it out whether whether it's time to change or not uh the first part of your question was on uh uh wh- why is there a need to even consider this right i i think it's just it's a crowded space right you're fighting for attention your I mean, share of mind share of wallet all of these things are increasingly competitive so breaking the clutter becomes important if you want to stand out mm-hmm. and reinventing is important if you if you want people to see you in new light or if you saturated the set that would uh, associate with you or uh, love you for being a certain thing and you saturate that then you have to go out and look for new uh, new angles to appeal to other people repetitive i think that's critical i mean product companies i mean there's only a few things that they have to say about that product right but human memory is short and I I I think the data is now up to what eight or nine exposures before it even registers and this is like display ads <laughs> so yeah there's no no way around that because we've just become more distracted as a as people more distracted also more accustomed to uh, advertising gen- in general right so when we are more accustomed to advertising we tend to also by default ignore it mhm and when that starts to happen you have to do more advertising more innovative advertising for it to even get through and similarly i mean it's it's very different when you're interested in something you have high intent and then things pop up it sort of helps you but when you're trying to force something which is not necessarily i may not have thought about it i may need it i may not have thought about it that's where it gets difficult so how do you come into my consideration in a way that it explains the need without being intrusive mhm that's the balance that has to be found <laughs> right okay i'm going to move on to more uh, personal questions mm-hmm. specifically so um you and i have spoken about this and i think a lot of us uh in this in the industry or in fact any industry at some point kind of feel like we've hit a block of some sorts 
either in terms of am i learning more am i growing more am i am i doing enough that happens to be a question that i ask quite often so the question that i have for you questions that i have for you one have you gone through that and and which what kind of cycles have you had to hit or break over time i think when i mean when we speak about the very first job that i had i was doing well i mean i was one of the top performers across the country every hdfc branch had one equivalent person etc but there was no way to do more uh, mm-hmm. and i finally left that joined another place and i actually took a salary hit of something like 70% just so that there could be new learning and new growth so <laughs> yeah yes that has happened uh, i think uh, with the current role here at mfl it's been it's fortunate that my role has evolved uh, almost every second year every 18 months or so there has been some sort of change in my role and i think that kept things uh, always challenging and because they're challenging that i have to push myself be learning more uh, and the fact that we work across a very large set of clients a very large diverse set of industries um, that's always challenging it keeps the brain ticking it keeps you interested in a lot more that's going on around you and which is why in my head i think i will always be like a like a service sector person i don't see mm. myself being a great uh, corporate person simply because i don't know if it will keep me as excited uh, when you have just one thing to deal with and think about uh-huh. and But, the other thing i've i've learned and this was thanks to one of the workshops i attended last year uh, you know it we're living in times where it used to be a situation where you started off doing a lot then you did sort of managing and then you did inspiring you know it was a very linear movement as you grew senior you sort of moved from one to the other to the third but now where it with the the technology and with everything that happened the pace of work and how things have changed you will actually have to continue to keep all of these things while their relative percentages may reduce Mm-hmm. you have to keep all of these active in your life so you still have to do uh, no matter what level you reach and if you don't do it uh, then you will lose touch with both what the job is in terms of inspiring your team and uh, how you'll actually go out and engage with your clients because you will lose touch with terminology what's new what's relevant and what's not relevant if you're not actually doing it so that's one area that consciously i have ensured that i do things which which push me to be at the very starting point of a of a journey and mm-hmm. also be able to then take on certain things which are more strategic and more uh, uh, let's say more external facing more long term in nature it's interesting you say that because i think a lot of uh... because your 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 part of the leadership of the organization but when it comes down to say the leadership of a team smaller mm-hmm. teams but there's still like someone running point um do you think it's increasingly hard for them to 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 kind of let go of the old habit of i will do this myself and start to kind of rope their team in or 
or the other extreme where they're just like okay i am up here of uh, of the team and i'm just going to look at the top down view and not the other stuff so where does one kind of uh overcome that see i I've, i've seen both of these examples mm-hmm. uh both very common problems actually you know letting go is hard is one of the hardest things that you you have to do in an organization especially as you grow and similarly not letting your designation go to your head is as hard uh, <laughs> and it it's critical that you that you know what your role is uh, and mm-hmm. once when you do know your role you need to be able to fulfill it and part of that role is to also lead by example so if you're not doing then your advice will have no value right so that that has to be done uh, just so that your relevance in your role as a senior can be maintained and you are looked up all right then what about the advice that you need to make <clears throat> or, or rather you need to make your your the, the person above you redundant because that happens to be one advice that is universal across every team fundamentally true you do okay. i mean see how how else will you grow mm-hmm. right the more you can take on the quicker your growth is that is i mean that's the best piece of advice and it's been around for ages right so it's your best path to growth is to demonstrate that you're ready for the next level i mean that's essentially what it means right uh that that said what happens to the next level depends on which of the two extremes they went to ah either they grow or they go out right <laughs> so as as someone who is looking to do that i don't think it it should change the advice right. holds true but it holds true at every level mm mm-hmm. makes sense i had a very interesting chat with a mutual acquaintance of ours uh, dk we mm-hmm. were talking about boundaries okay and that's something that has been a very that that's been a subject that i've gotten increasingly interested in lately and not just from a personal front but also from a professional front because the question that i think a lot of us are kind of looking at currently given how the reports okay media usually says that the with work from home a lot of your work time has gone up so that may not be true across the board because i don't think that's completely true across the board uh, but i have begun to see that it's become a little more pervasive so mm-hmm. i wanted to kind of have your thoughts on that on the concept of boundaries in general when it comes to work and and this bit as well do you think that workload has gone up specifically for people so first on boundaries right uh, i think it two parts to it one is down to the individual on how they define their own boundaries uh, mm-hmm. and it that discipline that will allow you to actually have what what is now i think work life integration is the the word that people want to sort of use but that sort of done at an individual level is quite critical because you have to have the ability to switch off Mm-hmm. and you should be able to do it almost on demand 
because mm-hmm. it, it's not like you will ever finish everything that's on your plate on a single day. But if you decide that at half past seven today I will switch off, then you have to have that ability to mentally switch from being work mode on to being no work thinking. Mm-hmm. With respect to work, I actually don't think the work has fundamentally changed. I think the work is the same. What happened with the work from home is that the boundaries between what is personal work uh, or work for yourself, uh, what is household chores, since a lot of people are doing those, what is your professional uh, responsibility, and uh, so, and you know these have all gotten merged. Uh, because it's one non-stop day that once it starts, you're continuously doing something or the other. Mm-hmm. And really what has gone missing is even that 5, 10, 15 minute break that you used to be able to get. That's completely gone. Uh, and you'd find this surprising, but a 45 minute drive from Noida back to office, yeah. I actually miss those the most because that was the best switch off period that you would be able to get. I agree and, with you. And, and it, you know, it's it little things like those that because they are absent, that everything else is feeling like uh, there's more pressure and more things are happening and so on. So you're not being able to step out with a couple of your colleagues. You don't have a casual conversation. Even even a quick quick sort of two-minute catch-up needs to be a scheduled call. That's just a headache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I think that's that's really what has fundamentally changed. And I don't think people recognize that just being able to take that 15, 20, 30 minute break uh, will actually allow them to do everything else properly. Mm-hmm. So, one, and, and it took me a while as well. But one of the things I've started to do is, uh, I actually didn't do this in office. I would go through emails and stuff while eating. But now I go and watch television while I eat. And I completely switch off. <laughs> and it, it's because I need that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's my view, again. Uh, I, and because I, I know for a fact that barring a few pockets, work is actually reduced. Mm-hmm. Yet I haven't found time to, time to do the webinars and the online modules and so on. Uh, and part of it is uh, is the fact that there was enough work and, you know, all of these things have been added which you didn't even think about earlier. Yeah. Managing the home, like, you won't believe it. The, the time between, let's say, quarter to 10 in the morning till 11.30 is extremely precarious because our uh, garbage collection little trolley drives yeah. by, plays a Swachh Bharat song, nice and loud. And yeah. that that sort of five minute period is critical because it's your only opportunity to get rid of the garbage. Uh, if I'm on a call or if I'm doing something, I'm going to have to stop all of that and ensure like, that sorry, I run I like out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's so, that's actually quite fun. <laughs> the, the whole point of I'm sorry, guys. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put you on hold for a bit. I need to go dump the garbage. Exactly. And I've had to do it a couple of times. <laughs> So, I mean, this is just an example, right, of the types of things that have been added to your daily schedule, which you wouldn't have otherwise even thought about. Right. 
do you think we're slated to adapt to that like how do you it's stupid for me to ask this question because obviously we can't predict what's going to happen next but i, I am our, our reliance on domestic health mm-hmm. may go down may go down uh, right. i think our situation is different uh, in india a lot of the developing world where a uh, labor isn't that expensive and b mm-hmm. we don't have the technology or the even the regular electricity supply to sort of substitute these things but i think things like washing machine and dishwasher and so on will become ubiquitous now i think a lot of people will ensure they have that because if something like this happens at least that's not something they have to worry about so you know, that's one headache left interesting what about people who are uh, i mean what about companies in general at the moment because i think one of the things that we're all facing is the fear of um it's back to 2008 in a way except much worse so everyone's just fearing layoffs or financial uh discomfort see everyone everyone's doing different things uh, i think each organization has to worry about how they will ensure their survival and mm-hmm. i mean survival is very immediate and then sort of how do you go back to growth and then how do you go back to performing at the standards that you used to so depending on where you are right now each organization has looked at it differently i think the what you would notice is that the ones taking the most extreme step are actually the organizations that were already doing badly mm-hmm. or organizations that are very clearly going to be impacted in the long run right. by what is changing through this so your like so i mean a lot of the gig economy companies will be impacted in the long run because the mindset will change right we were moving to a situation where it was where ownership was not that critical yeah all all you needed was access but now access comes with a lot of risk so ownership becomes far more important again and right. and that's why that's why you don't get anything from the auto companies for example i think it it this could spell a big sort of uh, revival for that sector mm-hmm. potential because <laughs> you suddenly want people buying cars or real estate you want people to buy like people might just end up buying houses maybe uh, okay i mean i i i don't know whether rental is going to be it's not it's not changing hands every now and then right a airbnb or a anything in that sharing space will be far more impacted than than sort of real estate i don't think it will play that big a factor role mm-hmm. in when people are thinking about whether to rent or buy right. uh, i think that a trigger that can be used definitely but uh, it it's more the short term use of pretty much anything where this mm-hmm. question will creep into your mind because it changes many hands right how do you think um how do you think we as people who are into comms or marketing or advertising have to chart out a an evolution chart for ourselves because right now i mean i think a lot of us got into that whole rut of okay show your face to show your face at work do what's needed and you had a ready pool of people to think with in person 
like you said every catch up is now a scheduled call so you're not really feeding off the physical the physical proximity when it comes to ideas and energy or even learning for that matter uh how do you think uh, we need to evolve now well i think two or three different parts to this one is everything that was happening right digital growing consumption patterns are changing more people were coming online etc 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 that is just going to get accelerated so mm-hmm. if if it was going to take 3 years it will happen in a year so that that one reality that we all have to come to terms with and adapt to i think the second is historically and i actually have only been here uh, i don't have external viewpoint on this but my understanding is that the creative business has thrived on physical proximity and lots of people to bounce ideas off uh, a lot of discussion a lot of conversation then sort of translating into uh, something that you genuinely feel will work mm-hmm. i think um, that brainstorming process may be revisited uh, i think there will be more sort of pre work and post work and the brainstorms will get crunched uh, and people will be forced to if they're going to build on other people's ideas it's going to be done in a series like you won't have it in pain sitting and i think those are the minor things that will have to be changed right you have to help people prepare better mm-hmm. uh, you have to bring them back more frequently maybe even for shorter durations but the number of times you do this has to go up and you have to be more structured in the way that you will organize any sort of brainstorms and so on mm-hmm. the last bit is on uh, learning and and just the casual sort of this is working this is not working how you do it what you know what your take on so on that i think will move to the virtual environment very quickly i think people are not used to it but uh, your casual catch ups your uh, break etc will also become structured uh, not not something that the organization will do but individuals will go back to their groups and say okay let's let's take 20 minutes this afternoon and have just have a chat let's have lunch together let's do this together those are the types of things that will start to happen so the virtual sort of technology will help people do this virtually and that should not fundamentally be impacted your sort of experience of working in a large group will not be impacted i think it's just the initial phase where people mm-hmm. don't know how to really go about doing those things uh, and you know it it's also you have to know what is casual right you you don't necessarily have to be sitting and looking at each other and and having that casual catch up you could be just in the kitchen and cooking and, <laughs> yeah. and having that that and you know that distinction will start to come in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it will be easier for people to say, okay, four, four of us, let's just jump on a call. Makes sense. My second last question, and yeah. this one's going to be a little personal, because uh, I do feel that uh, there are moments where leaders need to speak to their teams very candidly. and sometimes i mean we all look up to our leaders to kind of give us that push give us that hope mm. what is that one thing that you would say would say or expect to be heard 
given the current situation? I think it's important for people to realize that it is going to impact us, right? It's not going to impact us favorably. It is going to be, there is going to be damage. Uh, that said, there has to be enough optimism and that attitude to fight through it. I think that's really the most critical thing because this is not the time to sit back and relax. This is the time to double down and do better and do more uh, because this, this is what will help you come out at the end of this uh, either as a winner or as someone who is completely gone. So that is really the most important thing that that I would want people to hear and understand. That yes, it's hard, but it, because it's hard, the ones that who come who who sort of fight with it the right way mm-hmm. and come out, uh, and then those are the ones who will come out shining. And there are people who will sit back and relax, and who may not uh, find uh, the end to be so bright for them. Right. And then it applies to individuals, applies to organizations, applies to countries even, right? So, what about those who are pushing but are also struggling in that push? Not because of the relaxation, but I think because at some point the toll just gets to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I, I. It see, there's a couple of things. One. It's hard, like mentally, it can get frustrating for everyone. I know for, for a fact that I I have an off day every now and then. Uh, and it's okay to have those off days, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the time where you should switch off. And it's perfectly fine to switch off. What's harder is actually to to increase focus. And it's personalities. Like, I, I was never a work-from-home type of person. Just... Mm-hmm. Couldn't, my, couldn't get my head into it. It's become uh, it's become better now, having done it over the last what, 50 days. But uh, I would still prefer to be in an environment where I know that my sole focus is the work. Right. So that's personal, but I do have these off occasions. I'll take a couple of hours off. I'll take a day off if I need to. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so that the brain, that, you know, fighting through it and pushing through that doesn't mm-hmm. really help because it only increases the frustration level. So it's important that that you take the time to calm down and sort of refocus your energy. Right. My last question, if you're comfortable. Sure, sure. Where can these people reach out to you? Where? Uh, actually, pretty much anywhere. Uh, call, WhatsApp, anything. Um, mm-hmm on email I'm available uh, and happy to engage uh, the one place where I have been really terrible is actually LinkedIn and I have a whole bunch of messages that I need to respond to so yeah that, that's on my to fix list uh-huh. but uh, yeah otherwise yeah <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of public conversations so right. Facebook comment conversation is not really something that I would be yeah, very, no. <laughs> very big fan of. But yeah, anything that's one-on-one, happy, happy to be uh-huh. reached out. Excellent. Thank you for this, Ashar. Thanks, Thank Adar. so Thank much. You. This actually helps a lot of people, I think. <laughs> I'm glad you thought that. Uh,
uh, and if you have a follow up then just any time over the game tomorrow let's do i will be <laughs> super super thanks